Ferguson's head down, hit speed! And Gary Speed, the lifelong Evertonian, scores for his team! Scintillating finishing from Speed! It's ten years this weekend since the world of football was shocked to its very core. Ten years since a BBC Sunday morning sports programme interrupted its casual studio conversation to bring this brief, chilling and devastating bulletin from its reporter, Nigel Adderley. Yes, um, I'm here at uh, Swansea City, where Swansea City play Aston Villa today here in Wales. And the Football Association of Wales have just confirmed that Gary Speed, the national manager has died. Uh, the news has broken in the past couple of moments. There's a very short statement on the FAW website saying they extend their condolences and sympathies to his, fa to his family and uh, hope that uh, the family's privacy will be respected at this time. So it's um, tragic news to say the very least. Uh, Gary Speed, a former captain of Wales, 85 caps and the national manager who was doing such a good job to rebuild Welsh football has died. The shockwave reverberated throughout the game and one of Speed's former Everton teammates, Duncan Ferguson, will never forget it. He can remember exactly where he was when he heard the unbelievable news. Yeah, I can. Actually, I was, um, I was doing with the, uh, Everton's under-14s in Loughborough University. We were in a tournament and as it happens, it was a Sunday morning mm. and I heard somebody saying it... Uh, you know, run about our, our, our team and actually told the fella to shut up, you know what I mean? That can't be true, like. Yeah. There's no way that's true, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then uh, and you start to dawn and you actually, you know, this, this could have happened. And then, then obviously the the story unfolds, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I do remember where it was. It was a terrible, um, really shocking uh, day for us all, wasn't it? What was it like as a teammate, Dunk? Good fella. Good, good guy, as, 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 you, as you could imagine. Um you know, quite a quiet lad, really. But, uh, you know, he had, he had a good, good sense of humour. Well respected in the dressing room. Everybody loved him. Obviously, he was, he was a great player. Um, so, yeah, good professional. Uh, always done his work well. He was liked by everybody, to be honest, yeah. And obviously, you know, I, I, I was one of them who, you know, who, who was really fond of him as well. He was a blue as well, wasn't he? He was, wasn't he? A good blue. Uh, you know, running around delivering papers to, to Kevin, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> remember right that story I'm not sure if that story is right it is it? yeah absolutely so um, so yeah paper boy uh, delivering it to you know the, the legend that is Kevin Ratcliffe you know what I mean one of our you know, the most successful captains um, and he was living the dream wasn't he and I mean obviously I mean the big and he got to get to make his debut for um, for Everton which, which is really uh, a great day wasn't it really when we played Newcastle when it was in 96 was it 1996 and he, and he, and he scored his debut goal and, and his debut scored against Newcastle you know what I mean you gave him that well I definitely headed it on you know what I mean and, and, and that was the, that was the great great thing about Gary's timing you know what I mean yeah. he had great timing so he knew when that ball went forward to me he you know he just he just appeared and if you if you watch the clip he's, he must be he must be 50 yards away from me as the ball leaves leaves the foot you know what I mean the player and uh, he made up that distance and he just arrived in that box didn't he? and that's what he was good at and he got an end and he scored his, he scored his debut goal and uh, I'll always remember his big happy smile after it you know what I mean as we went to celebrate and you know a, a, a lad living his dream scoring in the Gladys Street what a, what a fantastic moment for him and his family Like you say he was a young man with seemingly everything going for him you just can never tell can you what's going on behind closed doors 
No, you can't know, and I think we, I think we, we all go through tough times, don't we? Really, not. I mean, that's why you're really good and good to try and speak to somebody, haven't you? I mean, I don't know and see what what happened to Gary, but obviously, you know, he, he was in a bad, he was in a dark place at that moment in time, and I think um, I think you know we've all we've all had um, those stressful times in our life. I think you've just got to try and reach out to people around about you. Know what I mean, the ones you love and your best friends, and try and speak to somebody. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, it was a shock, wasn't it? I mean, you, had, you really, it just shows you you're right. I mean, yeah, you know, you, if you've got bad mental health, you know what I mean? You, it can, it's, 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 a, it's a bad place to be. Everton legend Kevin Ratcliffe, like Speed, the former captain of Wales, was another one stunned by the news. As a boy, Gary delivered newspapers to Kevin's house in Deeside. Their families were neighbours, and even now, ten years on, Kevin still feels an element of shock when he thinks about the younger man's loss. Yeah, well... You know, it's it's one of them that have grown up with Gary from, you know, being a, a young guy on the, the same estate. His mum and dad still live there. My mum and dad still live there. Um, I've known him for a long, long time. Um, you know, what shocked me more than anything was that a week before I was actually playing golf with him on the golf course. And, you know, he got no inkling whatsoever um, of what state he was actually, you know, what he was going through. Um, I'm sure it just you're not just going through it for one or two days. You're going through it for maybe um, months, I would imagine. But uh, yeah, I, I, and that really that hurts me more than anything. That one that you never really spotted anything was wrong with him. And the other thing, you know, if he did have a problem, why didn't he come to you? Mm. Footballers are very, very good at hiding things, keeping them things close to the chest, um, and taking the world on their shoulders. Really, uh, and when you're a manager, even more so. But when you're a manager, you've got everybody else's problems to deal with as well. So, and nobody sort of sits back and wonders. I wonder if he's got any problems. Mm. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, there should be a lot learnt from from what's happened. Um, I, I do believe, you know, the LMA go round to see managers now to see how they're coping if they've got problems. But it, it's still sort of one of them things that just takes you back because, like you say, there's not many places you've got people. Um, or things that have happened in your lifetime that you'd actually know where you were at that time. And I remember it specifically where I was. I was down down in Swansea preparing to do a match. I think it was for an Irish radio station. And I was with my son, Dean. And he was shocked as well. Mm. So it was, I think, nice in one way that I had him with me because we could travel home together. So that was good in, in that way. But I which I didn't have to reflect on it that way. His managerial career was going so well, wasn't it, Kevin? Gary had really galvanised Welsh football. Yeah, he got it together after, you know, a slow start. Um, things were knitting together really, really well. Uh, how that was, you know, coming coming along was, um, you know, a little bit by fortune, like most managers. You know, all of a sudden, a system drops into your into your lap or you know maybe you you, you picked a player because you've had to pick a player and he's done well so you've kept with him um, and I, I think that's what happened with Gary and it just seemed to snowball you know it was getting better and better you could see the football was getting better the players that he was bringing in were getting better so uh, yeah it was it was on the right track shall we say when you're managing a country you, you know you've got to deal with the hand that you've got you can't go out there and buy players. You've got to try and notify players that have got a connection to Wales. Maybe they've been on the holiday a few times or whatever. But uh, no, that, that's what 
Gary did well, you know, using the players, using them. So the things I always say when you're an international manager, you've got to pick a system that suits the players and not what suits you. You know, the players you've got available to you, you can't change that. That was former Everton and Wales captain Kevin Ratcliffe. Well, one of Gary's many personal attributes was that he conducted himself so well with people. He was very much a people's person. Sunday Express journalist John Richardson became so close a friend to Gary that they began to collaborate on his autobiography. It was never to be concluded. But John did write a book called Unspoken, which explores the life, times and death of Gary Speed. Alan Shearer, Shea Given, Kevin Ratcliffe, Craig Bellamy and Gary's wife Louise were among the more than willing contributors. John cherishes the time he spent with Gary Speed and the relationship that they had. It was a very special one, Darren. Um, it was a bit cool at first because I got to know him a little bit at Wales and I think he's a bit suspicious, you know, of uh, sort of the younger reporters. You like having a bit of a good time as, as we did with Wales. It, they were great to cover. But I think that he saw that I got on very well with Ian Rush and people like that, Kevin Ratcliffe. So I think he thought, oh, he's, he's not so bad after all. So... We had a closer relationship then, and um, it did help when he went to Newcastle because Newcastle, as you know, was one of the main clubs I covered. And so he, he started asking me, where do you think he should live? Blah, blah, blah. Got to know Louise, his wife, got to know the, the family, the two lads. And so the, the relationship developed more from a, sort of a working relationship to an actual friendship, which uh, I was very privileged to have. Obviously, you know, I did a book on it and... You know, you analyse things and, you know, I still feel emotional now, even, you know, 10 years down the line. You know, he's somebody that's remained in my life. Somebody like yourself, John, who had a close working relationship with him and a close friendship with him. In the days, weeks, months, years after Gary passed away, did you find yourself thinking back over times that you've been, were you looking back retrospectively for signs? Yeah, I have many times. And um, he... Sometimes he he was a little bit quiet, mm-hmm. you know. We can all be like that. And uh, but you know, I used to meet him in in a local pub to to do well. I started his autobiography, and uh, you know, without fail, if it got to about quarter to three, he says, "Right, I'll have to go now." I'm picking the lads up, he idolised those lads, and you know, had a had a great marriage. And I mean, it was only uh, when I did the book and I spoke to Louise, his wife, that. You know, she started to sort of uh, shed a bit of light on on the subject, and uh, she showed me. She found, you know, obviously it was very emotional for her to do it. She did it brilliantly over two or three times, you know, and she she dug out some photographs. But amongst the photographs was a letter that Gary had sent to her because he was at Leeds as a, an apprentice, and she was back home in North Wales, and they used to write to each other. I think phones were in existence, but they, yeah. they did letters. Old school. Uh, old school, yeah. And uh, there was this, and it, it chilled you to the bone, Darren. It was, it was a letter which has been reproduced in, in, the, in the book, and it was, it was, you know, I'm, I'm feeling down, I'm this, I'm that. It was, it was very, well, now you look back at it, it was very suicidal. So he obviously had these depressive moments, if you like, and Louise also said to me that um, when she looks back on it, she now knows that he used to go off and um, take himself into his room and play the guitar. 
for hours on end. Mm. And she seemed to think now that that was sort of an escape from everything that was going on. But, you know, there wasn't any more than that. Really. I mean, I, I suppose that could be enough, but there wasn't any great signs. There wasn't any any sort of, oh, I feel this, I feel that. Mm. You know, he, he kept everything to himself. And we all look back, don't we, and think, could we have helped him? And The book, John, that it, it was going to be Gary Speed's autobiography, wasn't yeah. it? But it never panned out that way. No. He, um, again, Darren, typical of him, we'd done two or three chapters, and he said to me, he said, look, do you mind uh, halting this? Because I don't think I've done enough in my life. You know, um, I said, fine, it's up to you whenever you want to, you know, because I was privileged that he'd asked me to to be his uh, ghostwriter, if you like. And um, so, as we know, it, 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 it never happened, and instead I did a, another book, which was very hard to do, but, you know, I'm glad I did it. Was it was it cathartic for you, John? Was it cathartic for everybody that contributed? Yeah, Louise and, and Carol and Roger? Yeah. In one, Darren, absolutely. But I remember that that word, I would have used it myself. Yeah, it, it, it was very much so. Um, I mean, Louise, that's the only time she's done it. Um, and she said, that's the only time I want to do it. And it did give us some release. There was plenty of tears while we're doing it, mm. you know, and, and she took her ages to agree to do it. And I, I wouldn't have done the book without her, you know, because, you know, it, it had to involve her, obviously. And um, also the Kevin Ratcliffe was in it. And Neville Southall was was very good in it. You know, he analysed suicide, actually, came out with some great points, which I'd never thought of. Mm. And so some people didn't want to do it, which was fair enough. It was, even though a few years down the line, it was too raw for them. Um, and I, you know, I accepted that, but the people that did it, I felt um, it, it was hard to do because nearly everyone, uh, while we're doing it, sort of broke down, mm. you know, and I was unfair on them, you know, but it, it's hard to, it was, it was cathartic for, for lots of, lots of people, lots of people. And uh, I think the, how nice a bloke he was and, well, you know, in, you know him very well as well. He, he's he's just a lovely man, a lovely mm. man, and he just wanted. He just wish he was still here. In fact, what it has done, I suppose, it has opened up a sort of um, a road towards looking at some of these issues. You know, even if you go back ten years, if if somebody says to you, "Oh, I've got mental issues," I think we'd also come on. Pull yourself together, you know. Mm. What, what you got to be depressed about? But I think ten years down the line, I think it's completely different now. We we do understand this sort of mental illness, you know. Somebody can break a leg, and it's obvious. But somebody's having dark thoughts; it, it's not so obvious. But I think there is. Uh, they are now prepared to say more, you know, to to open up. It's uh, it's not. You know, it's it's not effeminate anything. It, it is real, you know. I've spoken to a few people for this podcast, John, as we remember Gary ten years on, and and the sense of shock and bewilderment and and bafflement, if you like, it, it's still there for everybody, isn't it? Absolutely, it is, and and we'll see it, won't we? This this weekend, you know, mm. it's uh, it, it. That's a very good point. It, it's it, for some people, it's still as raw as ever. Yeah, because as I said to you earlier, he, he was such a nice bloke, and I mean, had everything, didn't he? 
on the mm-hmm. outside. I mean, yeah. you know, you didn't want to stand next to him, did you? No, <laughs> you know, no. <laughs> I mean, such a good-looking lad. Uh, you know, he, he had a lovely family. He, he was, he'd been a, a, a great player. Uh, he was becoming a, a top manager. What else was there? Mm-hmm. You know, he, he seemed to have everything. But as we know now, he, he probably didn't have enough. Just finally, John, how will you how will you remember your pal Gary Speed? Do you look back on some of the nights out, some of the days out? Yeah, uh, I'm privileged because I'm still in touch with Louise, so I can I, we still we still talk about him. So because she's she still still hurts her, but you know she is she is in another life now. She has to be, and so we talk with fondness really, and. Um, it's strange where I used to live uh, until a few years ago by the, the banks of the River Dee and across the way is the meadows. And that's where Gary used to run quite often. And I'd, I'd often see him, you know. And without fail, until I moved, every day I looked out of that window. And, uh, so, Gary. It is still very raw and still clearly very emotional. That was John Richardson, author of Unspoken the Gary Speed story. Gary would achieve his childhood dream of wearing the captain's armband for Everton, but when he first joined the Blues in 1996, that armband belonged very much to Dave Watson. The man who played 528 times for Everton shared the sheer shock and dismay of everyone involved in football when he learned of his former teammates passing. As soon as you heard the news, it was just like, you know, how, how can that possibly happen? And and you, you just wonder, you know, why why it should happen. You could never really understand it. And, I, and to this day, you know, I, I still couldn't. I was going to say, I've been speaking to people about Gary Speed in the last week or so, and the, the shock that people people felt at the time, it, it's still there now. People are still shocked now, aren't they? Yeah, such a, such a shock and a shame, really. You know, he had a, you know, a lovely family and nice house. He was... Captain, he was captain and manager of Wales, and you know everything seemed seemed rosy. But you know what, Evan? Sometimes um, things seem rosy, and people put on a good front, and they, they could have a lot of hassle going on within the heads. Mm. They, you know, could be getting a lot of pressure through the football, and and you know, really, in, in them days, I don't think I don't think there was too many people to have the sports psychologists and try and help people. You know, it was a little bit of a, a little bit dated back then, um, and maybe you know things like that could have helped. But now, you know, they've got an abundance of all that, all the help you need. You know, how you cannot become a footballer these days, I don't know because there's everything there for them. When people look back at, at, at when Gary Speed passed away, they look at he was on Football Focus the day before. He was actually at Goodison. I seen him at Goodison the week before. There were no signs at all, Dave, were there? No, not on at all. That's what I was just saying. You know, if if he's been in trouble somewhere, um, you know, family life or family life you wouldn't know about anyway. But um yeah, I, we could just see no reason. He was the, the most happy go lucky lad um in the dressing room. He was always taking the mickey out of people. You know, as soon as he walked in the dressing room, you you know, it was a bundle of fun, really, you know, when he He'd be slagging people off, and um, yeah, so we'll never know, and it's not going to change anything if we do know. Really, he loved 
being an Everton footballer because he grew up in Evertonian, didn't he? He has a he has a magnificent time there, you know, and um he's I mean the, the goals he scored for us as well. Um, and not and <laughs> they're not like just tapping goals. He was a great header of the ball. And you know, for Gary to arrive at the back stick, it was it was it was tremendous to see. He had a magnificent leap on him. Um and he was always always a problem from set pieces, you know, for for the for the opposition. Was he a popular lad in the dressing room? He was very popular, yeah. He was one of the lads, you know, if um, if we went out for a drink, which we, we did once or twice, um, <laughs> he'd be with us, you know, and, and that was great. It was not as if you're trying to drag people with you, or that guy was, you know, organising one or two of the, the do's and stuff like that that we had. Yeah, you can, as I say, I found it really difficult of, of how something like that could happen. But, you know, who am I to need to know? Anyway, you know, his family are, are most probably asking one or two of the same questions. You've been involved with Newcastle United in, in recent years, Dave. You've been involved in football all your life. The focus and the support mechanism for mental health is so much better now, even than it was 10 years ago. Yeah, without doubt. It's, you know, the fair signs of anyone with any sort of, you know, certainly for the under-18s, like I was managing up at Newcastle, you know, if anyone comes in and, they're sitting very quiet and they're not looking. You know, you're asking questions, you know, is everything okay? Is your, is your home life all right? And, you know, you, and you, you know, you find out about them and you might bring the parents up and just say, you know, I was just a little bit concerned about so-and-so because he's, he's not his normal bubbly self. So that's on like um, a weekly basis. You know, you'd always keep in check on, on kids and that. Yeah, the senior pros maybe were a little bit more different, but... You know the the psychology and um, the help, any help that you you need is it's at hand. And you know, really, you'd be a fool not to take it. You know, when you consider what's happened to one or two people, even at the age of fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, the the the, the fight to be a professional footballer brings huge stress, doesn't it? It is. You know, it, it, it's. It's um, it's a constant battle because you you want to be as good as you can and and you you're at the stage where sometimes you don't have good games and it's not until you get the experience of playing um, even at youth level you know twenty thirty games and you get used to having one or two not too good ones but you know you beat yourself up at first and it's not until someone like a senior pro comes up to you and um, says Hey, you, you know, you, you didn't play well today, did you? You know, and 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 then you start thinking about it, and then they say, hey, but you know, the next up, the few games, it's up to you. You know, you'll be better in the next few games, and and just gives you gives you a little bit of confidence in that, you know, because um, young kids are up and down, and they're, they're desperate to become a footballer, as you say, um, and it, it affects the family. It's like a family life when they go home. Some parents are sort of very pressurising the kids. Other parents, are, you know, they can live with it. Um, it is difficult for young kids, I've got to say. Um, but, you know, the, the help for whatever they need is is at hand. Just to finish on, on, on Gary, he would still be football manager even now, wouldn't he? Yeah, most probably. He'd still be in the game. He'd still... He was... You know, as we've said, he was—he's done a great job. He—he he was 
a great name in football. Um, he, he plays at you know your Leeds, your Newcastle, your Everton. He's played at plays at great clubs, and um, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure he was being in demand right you know right up until today. Yeah. We've already heard about just how personable Gary Speed was. He was far more than just a manager to his players, a teammate to his colleagues, and a footballer to the staff at every club he played for. Legendary Everton kitman Jimmy Martin can vouch for that. As a close pal of Gary's, Jimmy is still haunted by his passing 10 years on. We were on a, an airport in Manchester, ready to fly out to, to a game. And uh, one of my, my mates said to us, uh, your mate's passed away today. And I couldn't believe it when I walked into the lounge, it was Gary's feed. I was absolutely devastated because we were very, very good friends. We went uh, every season. At the end of the season, myself, Paul Gerard, Graham Stewart and Gary, we used to go to Marbella at the end of the season and have a couple of days together. So I couldn't believe it when he died. It was good fun, wasn't he, Jimmy? Great fun. Great fun. He used to take the, the Mickey out of Paul Gerard all the time. <laughs> and Jazz used to fall for it. But, uh, no, we had, we had some great times. He was a great lad. Was Gary Speed one of the... The type of player who always looked after the staff, made sure the staff were involved. Gary Speed, when he was captain, looked after us Christmas, end of the season. Went round, had a little collection for the staff and that. Yeah, he was, he was top man. He was good at everything he'd done. He was a proper pro. I'm going to say he was a proper professional. You could tell that, by the way, he looked after himself. Yeah, he, he did. He'd done everything right. And he was a winner. And uh, that's what I liked about him. Because we used to play head tennis and all that, like be the players against the staff and all that. And it was, they were, they were the good days, but he was a fantastic lad. It's virtually impossible, well, it is impossible to spot mental health because it's invisible to outsiders. You would never have dreamt that Gary Speed had any issues like that, would you? Never. If you put a list up, he'd be at the bottom of my list. Really? He was just so... He loved his family, he loved his football, and he loved his mates. And he was close to every one of them. He would never, ever believed that he would... Uh, do such a thing. He loved Everton as well, Jimmy, didn't he? Absolutely, was Everton, wasn't he? Through and through, he was an Evertonian. And uh, he was just a top lad. He was just one of us. And we, 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 I still miss him to this day. I was going to say, for people like yourself who have known him for so long and worked with him every day, even though it's ten years on, I can tell by looking at you, it's still a shock, isn't it? Yeah, very much. When I got in that airport, I, I was never the same for that all that week. I just, I just kept thinking about him every day because we were close. We were. He was in the kit room every day. I saw him every day. I, in fact, I would go and say I seen him more than I saw my wife because <laughs> he was never at the kit room. So he was just one of them lads, Paul, Gerard, me, and, and Diamond, Graham. We were, just, we were just close. We were all, all mates together. Gary Speed had everything. In an ideal world, he would have played more than 65 games for his beloved Everton and scored more than 18 goals. But it's not an ideal world. Not for Gary Speed, not for anyone. If Gary's legacy is that the focus on mental health in football and in society in general is now sharper than it's ever been, then at least some good has come from such a bewildering and dreadful scenario. The support mechanism is there. There are people out there who will listen. There are people you can talk to. We'll never forget Gary Speed. He touched all our lives. We would have loved to enjoy him for a lot longer, but the memories he left us will live forever. God bless him. Ten years on. <laughs>